Hallelujah. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, if you would. I have something a little bit different to share this evening. But I believe it's what the Lord wants. I had a, another message planned, but about halfway down from home, about 20 minutes from the church, the Lord said, no, I want you to do something different. So I'm going to just share with you from my heart this evening some things that I think need to be said. And uh, I believe it will be a help to you and to me. Praise God. Have a look with me, please, in the book of 1 Thessalonians 5.25. 1 Thessalonians 5.25. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 25. And uh, it's a very easy verse to memorize. Brethren, pray for us. That's not too hard, is it? Brethren, pray for us. Did you notice that Paul's asking them to pray? Pray for us. So obviously, uh, the minister cannot fulfill in their own supply the plan of God. Uh, they require the supply of others. Do you understand? And that's why you're not just a bump on a log or just a number or just something, something downgraded or demeaned in the local church because... Without your supply and your prayer, uh, the plan can't be fulfilled in its fullness. And uh, turn with me, please, as well. And you know some of these, but turn with me, please, if you would, as well, to the book of... Uh, uh, let's have a look at Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. 2 Thessalonians, that's just a little bit over. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, praise God, and verse 1. And it says, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. And that we, notice it says the word was glorified, not the person. Do you understand that? That the word would have free course. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you or guard and protect you from evil. So uh, he's telling the people, pray for us that the word may have free course and the word may be glorified uh, because we need deliverance from wicked and unreasonable men. For not all men have faith. We know that's true. true. And uh, in the book of, uh, I won't turn there for sake of time, but in Acts chapter 12, you know, they took, well, let's just look at it so that you don't think I'm, I'm some of you may not even believe it. But it's the, it's, it's the truth. <laughs> now, about that time, King Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in the prison and delivered him for, to four quadrants or quintarians of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But prayer, prayer, because Herod is a wicked and unreasonable man. Prayer was made without ceasing. They didn't get tired. Without ceasing of the church unto God for him. More than one person, the church prayed. And when Herod would, when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Bound with two chains. <laughs> they, they said one's not enough. 
So they put two chains and the keepers before the door kept the prison and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him and light shined in the prison and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up saying, arise. So he's, he has the gift of faith operating here because to have divine calm in the face of execution takes the gift of faith as I'm teaching in my course. And and he smote him on the side and raised him up, uh, raised him up saying, arise up quickly. Uh, And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, gird up thyself and bind up on this. The angel didn't have to worry about his feet or his, or, or his coziness. But the angel was concerned that he wouldn't cut his feet on the stones and that he wouldn't be cold. And he did so and said unto him, cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not where that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he was in a vision. Sometimes things of the spirit can feel so surreal that it feels like you're dreaming. And when they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth out into the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street and forth with the angel departed from him. Angel's not going to go any, any further than he needs to go. And when Peter was come to himself, I mean, he just, he shakes himself uh, and says, now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me out of the hand of Herod. And from all the expectation of the people of the Jews, and when they had considered, when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where were, where many were gathered together. This is the church making prayers for for him to be delivered according, that's what we just read in Thessalonians, from wicked and unreasonable men. So the church was praying. Now, if you, we won't look at it, but if you look at, just for a note reference, Acts 4.23, after, after Peter and John had been beaten, after they raised the man up at the gate beautiful, the lame man, and then they were released from prison, and they went back, the Bible says, to their company to tell them all that the chief priests had said. Yeah. That word company. Yes. Obviously, this was his company. He went to the house of people that were his company. That word company means, the Greek word literally means your, to, his or her own home. Company means a place that feels like home. So when we say this is your company, if this church feels like home, if I feel like your pastor and we're a family, then we're, we're, we're of one company. But did you notice it was the company that was praying? It wasn't some other place because there were other churches. He said some were of Paul, some were of Apollos. There were other churches, Demas and others. There were many leaders in the church and there were the other apostles and Peter and other people. They were different churches. They, they wasn't the only church. But did you notice that Peter went to the place where was his home? And did you notice it was his home that prayed for him? It wasn't Demas's church or, or Paulos's church or some other church. It was his company, the place that felt like home to him. Praise God. I'm bringing, saying this for a reason. I'll get to it in a second, but I want you to know the company was praying. The church was praying. It says in this, this uh, earlier in this chapter, it says the church. But then Acts 4.23, it says he went to his company, which is, which is a group, a, a local gathering of the larger church, but it's a local assembly that is your home. Because just like you uh, were not orphans, we all, well, hopefully you're not, even if you were, you would have been adopted into a family. 
in the natural, we have families. In the supernatural, we have families. Any Christian, I'm just telling you the truth. If you studied New Testament doctrine, any Christian that does not belong to a local church has violated the New Testament doctrine because God never ever intends believers to be out lone rangers and lone wolves and lone sheep and lone here and lone there. Well, it's me and Jesus. It took Jesus to get you saved, but it does not take Jesus to renew your mind. It takes Jesus, yes. It takes the word. You can study it on your own, but it takes a company. It takes a place to submit. It takes offices to impart to you, to teach you, to help you, and more than just watching on live stream. Somebody said the most stupid thing I've ever heard in my life recently. They left out church. They called our office and told my mother, the reason I'm not coming back is because God's led me to go to an online church. But that is anti-scripture. Just because we have the technology to facilitate online churches does not mean it's the scriptural way. God expects people to make the effort and gather in person. You do not have the same impartation or anointing when you're in your living room as when you're here. It's just not the same. When you can't come and God knows you want to, but you can't, you are withheld, restrained, withstood by the government, by rules, by all these things, then you can have that same measure of the anointing in your home. But, but if you have the ability and you don't, you'll never, you'll never develop. You'll never get all that God has for you. You'll get some, but you won't get all. Amen. Online churches are not the will of God. They've never been the will of God. Dad Hagen warned about them for years. All these people that have all these satellite churches and the pastors in the main church and they're all watching screens, that's completely unscriptural. You're supposed to have somebody there in person. That minister has to see you. I long to see you. Not you see me. I long to see you. Paul said in Romans 1.11 that I may impart to you. Impartation doesn't come unless you're in person. Not the same way. Not the same way. They can, you can have it to a measure, but not to the fullest measure. So do notice that he went to the church. He went to the church that was praying for him. And there was a church praying for him. The Bible says that there was. And in Acts 4, he calls it his company, his home, the believers that he held a divine connection with. Amen? And uh, so he's knocking on the door. They were together praying. Verse 13, and Peter knocked at the door uh, of the gate, and the damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told Peter, I told them how Peter stood before the gate. That's like some of us do. We get so excited, we forgot to do what we're supposed to do. And they said unto her, you're mad. But she couldn't constantly affirm that it was even so. Then they said, it is, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Praise God. But he beckoning unto them with his hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, go show these things unto James and to the brethren. See, there were other churches. And he departed and went into another place. And now, and then the next morning, the soldiers get in big trouble. You understand? Because, they, because the angel got them out. Praise God. What I don't understand is they were praying and yet they were astonished. But they were praying for him to be delivered and then when, and what they got, what they prayed for, they couldn't believe it. I, I guess it makes us feel better because we think that they're titans here in the early church and they're just like us. We're praying for stuff and then what actually happens, we can't believe it, it actually happened. And when the person that God asked to bring us is standing outside, we don't even open the door for them because we're so excited that God answered the prayer. We forgot to let him in. I'm saying this for a reason tonight because uh, the Lord brought a couple of these scriptures to my heart just in a few minutes before the service started about the church praying and about that he had a company and that they was praying to be delivered from wicked and unreasonable men for not all men have faith. 
Now, again, you know this well, but Ephesians chapter 6, please. Ephesians chapter 6. Amen. But it needs to be repeated regularly because there's always some folk that never heard it the first time or the second or the third or the fourth. And at one time, whichever time that is, it's just going to land right in you. Ephesians 6, 19 and uh, praying. Let's look at 18. Praying always with all prayer. That means there's different kinds. Dad Hagen taught there's nine kinds. And supplication, that's specific pouring out of your heart in the spirit, which means you can pour out of your heart to God while praying in tongues because it was in the spirit. You can pray in English and in supplication and in tongues and supplication. And watching thereunto with all perseverance, which means you're going to get tired. He wouldn't say persevere if it was easy. He wouldn't say watch in prayer, watch with perseverance. That means look in the spirit, look out, pray, stay focused, pray out for certain things. Watch like a watchman on a wall. You're watching in prayer for certain things. He wouldn't say persevere if it was easy and it took no effort and you just did it on your lunch break. It obviously takes time. It takes effort. And there can be a weariness that comes. There can be attacks. We learned from Dad Hagen. There are attacks of the devil to keep you out of getting in the spirit. To get you, get you tired, get you discouraged, make you feel like there's no anointing. But, but those are just smoke screens because there really is an anointing and there really is in a place in the spirit and God really needs your prayers. But he can try to hinder all of that stuff. But he said, now persevere, don't get tired and don't get weary to persevere in your praying and your watching in the spirit with supplication for all saints and for me. So in other words, listen, now that we, we can pray for anybody. He's saying, Paul's saying, pray for all the people that God puts on your heart. You can't pray for all the saints. There's over a billion of us. You just don't have enough time in the day or even in your life. You do the math and you prayed for five minutes for every person on the earth that's a Christian. You'd live your whole life and not even get through half. So you cannot pray for all the saints the way it sounds. You pray for all the saints that the Spirit leads you to pray for. Do you understand? Now he's saying, pray for everybody as the Holy Ghost guides you. But now watch, he says, and for me. See, he's bringing it back. It's okay to pray for everybody. But hey, don't forget what he's saying is done. Don't forget to pray for me. Because I'm your overseer. I'm your pastor. I'm your man of God. I need you to pray for me. While all the saints need it, don't forget me. Because there's something important that I need. He's not being selfish or proud. But he's, he's drawing attention to the saints. And for me. That utterance, 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 utterance utterance something said by discourse really it's 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 words okay something said by discourse or words that utterance may be given unto me why would he ask for utterance if he knew everything to say paul the great apostle who wrote two-thirds of the new testament didn't know everything to say i think he had a lot of sermons because he wrote two-thirds of the new testament but he still didn't always know what to say because it's not just a matter about preaching. It's about saying the right thing at the right time by the utterance, by the words given by the Holy Ghost. And he says, pray for me. And don't get tired in your praying. And don't just pray for everybody else. Pray for me. It's important because I need utterance. I don't always know what to say or how to say it or when to say it. But the Holy Ghost knows that if you'll pray, the Holy Ghost will be able to give me more utterance because of your prayers. Pray for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly. So obviously you can have utterance, but if you don't say it the right way, it won't land right. And one of the ways you say it is boldness. And Jesus was bold because when they took knowledge, Acts 4 of them, Peter and John, that they had been, they took knowledge of them that they were unlearned and ignorant men. But they recognized that they had been seeing the boldness of Peter and John. They took knowledge of them, that they were unlearned and ignorant men, but that they had been with how would they equate their boldness with Jesus if Jesus was timid? Yeah. Yeah. 
they said, wow, these guys are bold. They must have been with Jesus. Why would they connect those dots? Because they had seen Jesus with great boldness, and now he was the gold standard of boldness. And now anybody else that was bold, they equated to him. Which tells me that any sissy, willy-weak preacher is not of Jesus. They may love Jesus, they may be preaching Jesus, but Jesus is synonymous with boldness. An antonym is timidity. An antonym is, is, uh, is what's that awful word that I hate, Jenny? Political correctness. He wasn't very political correct when he called the king a fox. He called Herod a fox. Sly, deceitful. He wasn't trying to get along with the politician. He was preaching the word. He was telling people what he thought. And he wasn't trying to get along with the religious folk. Because he told them that they were devils. He told them that they were vipers. He told them that they were a brood of vipers. <laughs> he told them that they were dead men's bones, nice on the outside, but dead on the inside like a sepulcher. Jesus wasn't trying to get along with religious folks. He was trying to say, I only hear, I only say what I hear Papa say. I only do what I see Papa do. Papa called you a hypocrite, so I call you a hypocrite. Papa calls you politician a lying, thieving, covetous fox. So I'll call you politician. See, he was, he was interested in what his father said. And God the Father is not, he don't care about whether people like other people or like you or not. And he heard the father say, tell them I am in John 8. And so he builds it up. You know, Jesus builds it up. Builds it up. One, two, combination. Bang! Verse to whatever that second last said, I am. And they pick up stones and he hides himself. He preached and ran. Right? He ran. How come, how come he didn't stand there like he did in the garden and say, I am, and they all fall down? How come he didn't do that in the temple, but he did it a couple days later in the garden? Because the anointing led him to do it in the garden, but the anointing didn't lead him to do it there. You with me? So sometimes the Lord will tell you to confront because the anointing is there for the confrontation. But it takes faith to confront, and you've got to be in the Spirit to confront. And often it takes the gifts of the Spirit to confront, not all the time. But sometimes the Holy Ghost doesn't want the confrontation, and He'll tell you to run. So don't get in the rut that everything that you have to... See, boldness is always there. He preached boldly, and then he ran. <laughs> so, but he wasn't, it wasn't a lack of boldness. The Spirit didn't lead him to confront. So sometimes uh, hindrances come to the gospel... And, and God will tell us, you use your faith. I'm speaking to you now. Now confront that. Stand against it. And other times, uh, we're still bold no matter what. But a hindrance will come to the gospel. And the Lord will say, walk away. Demir, walk away. You better know the Holy Ghost. Because if you confront things that he's not authoring, you're going to get in trouble. Are you listening to me? You confront stuff at work that he didn't author, you'll lose your job. And then blame it on the devil. And it wasn't the devil at all. It was you. You confront things in your marriage that the Holy Ghost isn't authoring, you're going to have trouble. You confront things with the government that your Holy Ghost didn't author. You'll have trouble. We don't want to just confront for the sake of confronting. We want to confront because the Spirit of God is prompting us and leading us and anointing us and gracing us and giving us that, that ability to confront. And at other times, he'll say, run. Not that you're afraid, but that it's not time for that. Are you with me? So he's saying, there's little nuggets here to help you if you listen. And so he says, I pray that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly. Boldly. Jesus was bold. The disciples were bold. Boldness equals Jesus, not timidity. That's right. 
that I may make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in prison, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He repeats it twice because he's trying to let them know, uh, don't get offended with my boldness. Because some people, they're way too diplomatically correct. That's their nature. That's their personality. It's not necessarily wrong. It's just the way you are. Are you listening? But then you see somebody leading you who is uh, provoking and you think, well, they're just trying to pick a fight. And I, and I don't like that because I think we should demur and submit and, and obey what, whatever this thing is that we're, that we're facing. But what you got, what you got to have confidence in your leader. That's why I'm teaching you this tonight is that if the leader is led by the spirit, the leader will not just confront at every occasion. The leader will confront when the spirit prompts to confront and demure when the spirit prompts to demure. Then you can have confidence if there is a confrontation that you can get behind that leader in prayer and pray for utterance and boldness and deliverance in that confrontation from wicked and unreasonable men because you know God was in the confrontation. Do you understand? It's important that you understand that. That's why you have to pray that I'm led by the Spirit, but then you need to trust that I am. And that if we confront something, that the Holy Ghost is authoring that confrontation. And you can get behind it, otherwise you'll stumble. Because of your mild personality or your submissive nature, you'll look and say, no, he's picking a fight. No, he's trying to go against the government. No, he's trying to do this, he's trying to do that. And if your mind can make you stumble, what you need to do is say, I may be a certain way, that's fine, but God didn't ask me to lead. But God asked him to lead, and I'm praying that he's led. And he's saying that God is authoring a confrontation. Therefore, I'm going to get behind that confrontation. I don't have to say anything out loud or visit or do anything. I can just stay in my prayer closet, and I can support that in the Spirit. Because if God's authoring him to do it, then I need to pray for him that the boldness and the anointing will be on him to do it, that he'll be delivered from those that would attack him because he's doing it. Praise God, and that the anointing and the boldness will be there to say what needs to be said, utterances, and that they would land right in the hearts of the people. Because I am warning you, my brothers and sisters, and if you're watching, I'm warning you, that we are living in a perilous, perilous time. Never before have we ever seen our government do the things that it's doing as we speak. They are systematically taking people's rights away from them, left, right, and center. I'm serious. We are living in a perilous time, and I'm, I'm encouraging you not to confront unless the Spirit authors it. Do you understand? You don't need to confront unless He authors it. And I am not confronting things unless He authors it. He could have authored to say, stay open, like 67 churches in Toronto did. And all of them got half a million dollar, up to a million dollar fines. He could have told me to do that, and I would have done it. And the money would have come in to pay that fine. But I know that some people would have left the congregation if I did that because their mind's not renewed to confrontation. And so we not just, I didn't, I demurred. But, but, But we got to renew our, you got to renew your minds to the fact that some things God will say, stand up. And other times God will say, you still be bold, but I don't, I don't want the confrontation this time. It's not necessary. It's not going to help the plan. Everything is to fulfill the plan. Everything is to fulfill the plan. Everything is to fulfill the plan. 
And certain confrontations will hurt the plan. Other confrontations, if they are not made, the plan will be hurt because you don't confront. You've got, we've got to fulfill the plan. The congregation has to trust me. The more you pray for me, the more you'll trust me. The ones that don't trust me, Greg, are the ones that don't pray. I've learned that over a long time in ministry. The ones that are the, have the biggest flapping lips in the wind, that have always got their opinion, that are always criticizing, that are always got their little, little bee up their bonnet, so to speak. And their, their beehive hairdo is waving in the wind while they're wagging their head at me. They're the only, only those people are the ones that don't pray. They don't know the spirit. They don't know the spirit. They're, they're, there's a carnality and a, and a criticism in them. If you'll pray and you'll get in the spirit, uh, you'll be praying that I'll be led. You'll be praying that I have utterance. You'll be praying that I have boldness and that that anointing to, that when it needs to come will be there to confront. And when it doesn't need to be there, that I'll know not to confront. Praise God. And that we will be delivered whether we confront or not. Jesus confronted and he was delivered and Jesus demurred and he was delivered. So confrontation does not equal deliverance. Sometimes you confront, sometimes you don't, but every time you'll be delivered from wicked and unreasonable men. For not all men have faith, but there must be prayers made by the, by the company, by the church. I'm not, uh, listen, I'm not saying a little sermon for you to say amen and go out and not remember anything. If we call you tomorrow and I say, Jamal, what did I preach on? Jamal should be able to say, you prayed about praying for you, pastor. That utterance would be given you in boldness, that you'd be delivered, that I have a job as a church member to pray, not just to say amen to praying. Because the problem is everybody says amen, but they don't do anything. I need you, I'd like you to say amen, but I'd almost rather you not say amen and actually do it. But better yet, do both. <laughs> I'm serious. Now, last verse is uh, the main verse, Colossians 4 and verse 3. Supposedly, you're supposed to save the best for last. Colossians 4 and verse 3. With all praying also for us, that God, man, this great apostle who wrote two-thirds sure asked for a lot of prayer. How much more little old Craig? See, Paul recognized I can't do this on my own. I, I, need, I need the prayers of the saints. I need the prayer of Gary. I need the prayer of Miracle. I need Jesse's prayer. Amen. I need James's prayer. I need Guggen's prayer. Not so much Reverend Greg, but I need most of your prayers. I need Reverend Greg's prayer. As long as he's praying, not witchcraft prayers, but Holy Ghost prayers. <laughs> they were getting too serious. I had to lighten it up. Withal, praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest or open or seen as I ought to speak. Remember, he said, ought to speak boldly in Ephesians. Now he's saying ought to speak. He doesn't say the word boldness, but we interpret scripture with scripture, so he ought to speak boldly. And I want you to notice door, a door of utterance. A door of utterance. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, I had a, good, a real good sermon planned for tonight. I actually wanted to hear it myself. Some sermons I just like to hear myself because they help me. Seriously. They just help me get the word on a certain subject in me. And as I preach, it's helping me as well as it's helping you. But 20 minutes before I got here, uh, when I was on the 410, I heard the Holy Ghost say, put pause on that uh, for a little bit. I want you to talk about this tonight. And so I, I, I'm giving you some scriptures, but I want to share something that happened with you that's very important. 
And I don't know if people, I said, Lord, this should be on a Sunday morning because more people listen on a Sunday morning. And he said, I think God just shakes his head sometimes at us as, as, as if he didn't already take into consideration the number of people watching. But sometimes he'll have do things on a certain time, even if you don't have the greatest audience for whatever the reason is. Because the people that need to hear it can either listen to it after or they're watching right now or they're in this room. But I want to tell you something that happened this week with Pastor Nancy. First of all, we had a wonderful time and we got a little video. We have to snip it together, uh, you know, edit it a little bit because we had multiple devices doing the video. Uh, but, but she so loved the golf cart and uh, she, was so, <laughs> she was so happy. And I walked into, you know, because she had a dinner. This was just before people were coming to dinner that we gave it to her. And then I was, uh, you know, starting to pack up because we were leaving very early the next morning. And I come up, Pastor, Pastor, where is she? There's nobody there. Nobody. Where is she? Stephanie, where is she? Oh, she's out on the golf cart. And, and then later on in the evening, I said, where's Pastor? Oh, she took all the, all the kids. Nine kids. This th- golf cart seat six. There was nine plus her. I mean, they're hanging off. They're sitting on her lap. Ten of them on the golf cart going all the way. Around the- later on, I come back. It's not there. I said, where's the golf cart? We need to charge it. Oh, Pastor's on the golf cart. Awesome. Just in the same night, she just wanted to be on that golf cart the whole time. She loved it. She loved it. And on top of all of that, and that golf cart costs money, we still had 3,000 U.S. dollars left over that we put in a cart for her. Praise God. Hallelujah. $15,000 in total. Canadian came in. By the time you did the exchange rate, we were able to buy the golf cart, put all the upgrades. She said the last time she had one, she had a flashlight. She would drive at night and she'd say, Ruby, your flashlight duty. And Ruby would hold the flashlight so that they didn't hit a tree. But we added LED lights for her. We added left and turn signals, which she didn't have. We added a horn, which she likes that horn. She likes that horn. We added a rear view mirror. We added a, 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 a plexiglass screen. So when it's raining, she can drive without the rain coming in. We added all these extra upgrades, uh, which were wonderful. Uh, plus we did all of that, plus $3,000 in a card. And she was so blessed. So thank you. You see the video on Sunday. She was very blessed. Amen. And I wanted to honor her. She's deserved. She's worthy of honor. So early, early Tuesday morning, very early in the morning, she was saying goodbye to Pastor Debbie, who was also, I ended up staying at her home. She let me stay at her home with her and Pastor Debbie and Jenny, which was a great privilege and honor. And so she was saying goodbye to Pastor Debbie. They were packing up the car and, and I was going to get the suitcase, walking into the front door to get the suitcase. And the word of the Lord came to me just like that, just as clear as I'm speaking to you. And he said, I am pleased with your honor. I said, Lord Jesus, there's nothing that makes me more happy than to know that I've pleased you. But he was pleased because of honor. Because we honored her as a congregation, spiritual sons, other churches, we honored her. Pulsa, different ones, we honored her, praise God. And it took effort and time and energy and money to get there. And all the planes and all the this and all the rigmarole and the lines and the airports and the, and the COVID Nazis and this and that and everything else. It, it, takes, it takes effort, do you understand? But, but we did it because it was the right thing to do and we had a great time. And, uh, and we honored her and she was happy. That's what I care about is she was happy. 
praise God. And they did a wonderful, uh, they did unsinkable Molly Brown little play. And Pastor Morgan was Molly Brown. I had no idea she could act. She's astonishing. She's just knocked, my, knocked our socks off. And, and then Pastor Debbie Simon's church did the two songs from the greatest showman. You know, the, the lady with the big beard and they're singing and hollering and hooting and pastors saying amen. And it was just, it was just wonderful. But most, mostly we had a lot of time privately with her, not just because I was in the home, but other ministers, we gathered at restaurants and at meals. I had to spend a lot of time one-on-one with her, which was, which is always a blessing because so many things come out. And Richard Roberts surprised her, and he was there Sunday morning, and so he preached, and that was wonderful. But, you know, it's worth it just to go. I don't need a word. I don't need God to speak to me. It's just worth it to go. I know that I I please God. But God sometimes will give you exceeding abundantly above what you ask or or hope for. Uh, He doesn't always do that in terms of sometimes he'll just say, listen, I just want you to do the right thing this time. I'm not going to give you anything else. I just want you to do the right thing. Because he doesn't always want us to have some secret motive in the back of our mind. Well, we'll do the right thing in order to get something. I just did it to do it. I did it to be a blessing. I sowed my seed, a lot of my own personal seed for that golf cart. And many of you sowed sacrificially as well. And I just did it for, the, for that. I didn't do it for, I knew that it wasn't going to be preaching. I knew that he was preaching Sunday morning. I knew Pastor Nancy wasn't ministering to us. I knew there wasn't words of prophecy or the laying on of hands. I didn't go for that reason. I just went to honor her. And, and that was enough for me. Truly, it was. I wasn't expecting anything else but the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Because he knows certain things and he knows that we need certain things. And he knew... Can I say something to you? He knew that she wasn't coming. So when this thing happened, I'm about to tell you, I didn't know that she wasn't coming. She told me on the last morning, the morning I left, she said, Pastor, I just, I just don't have a release in my heart to travel internationally right now. Unfortunately, Canada is international. So we're not going to Israel. She's not coming here in October. That's official. So I said, Pastor, I said, my congregation love me, but they don't love me that much. I said, they will lynch me if you don't come next year. They will. I said, you need to come. So then I I quoted the word word of God. I started preaching to her. And I said, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Reverend Debbie, chapter two, verse one. That's second Kings. And and she was there and she's laughing. And I said, and when the woman perceived that he was a man of God, this Elijah that passed by continually, and she constrained him to come in to eat bread. Constrained means to put pressure. I said, I'm constraining you and I'm putting pressure. You have to come next year, COVID or no COVID vaccine or no vaccine, I need you to come. If you're not coming this year, I need you to come. And then I went now, you, I said, I know you're bucking at it because it's old covenant, Pastor. So I'm going to give you a new covenant verse, Romans 1.11, that, that you may see us to impart. Because if you don't see us, you can't impart. And our congregation need an impartation from your office. So I, I, I knocked her with the old and then I knocked her with the new. And she said, yes, I, I, I will come. I tell the congregation, I will come. I just don't have a release to come this year. So I said, okay. I said, everybody else, including this Debbie over here. This Pastor Debbie one, this notorious Pastor Debbie, including her, they're all getting you except us. That ain't right and that ain't fair. So I laid it thick. I laid the jam on thick, Reverend. So I knew, she, I knew then she wasn't coming, but when this happened, what I'm about to tell you, I didn't know she wasn't coming. And then the Lord dealt with me. He said, the reason I did that for you, what I'm about to share, the word that I got, the reason I did that is because she's not coming. That word would have come out if she had come but, but I, I'm not leading her to come. So I had to get that word to you even though she's not coming. So I orchestrated it so that that word would get to you on a non-ministry weekend. 
And so at one, on one of the evenings, it was the, it was the Sunday evening after the, the show and the, you know, Morgan and everything, all the stuff, and we gave her the gift and all that kind of stuff. But we're in the green room and we're about to leave. I, I was kind of, we're getting ready to leave. And she said, she actually started to sit up a little bit like to, as if she was getting ready to leave. And then she said, we need to pray. I said, wonderful, because I don't get to pray with her very often. So there was about six or seven ministers there, and we just bowed our heads and began to pray. And she went around the room, took about an hour, but she went around the room and prophesied over every minister that was present and read their mail. And then, and then two other ministers came in afterwards, she prophesied to them. And then she started praying out about the political scene in America and began to share, I can't share it publicly, but uh, quite a lot of very interesting things uh, about the po politics there in America and different things. And, and uh, so she was praying that out and prophesying and praying and prophesying all at the same time. But when she got to me, she said something. She had something for my wife as well, but I'm gonna share what she said to me because I, I feel, Jenny, it bears repeating. And I think it's important that you hear this. I wasn't going to share it right away. I was going to wait till the series is over and then share it with you. But 20 minutes before I got here, I heard the Holy Ghost say, I want you to share that with them tonight. It's important. Yes, so she was praying in the spirit. She'd already gone to some ministers and every time she ended, she would pray in the spirit and then she'd begin to prophesy. And so she said, Pastor Craig, and can I read you what she said? Yes. And this surprised me because I'm looking for her to talk to me about Africa. I'm looking for her to talk to me about Philippines. I'm looking for her to talk to me about Caribbean. I am not looking for her to talk to me about Canada. I'm not interested in Canada. I'm interested in these other places because that's where I'm going. Now I'm interested in Canada, but I'm not really, I, I, we are planning so many things. Right now things feel okay on the home front. There's questions about that stuff. I need answers about that stuff. I'm okay with Canada right now. But God saw fit to talk about Canada. So I want you to listen. She said, Dad Hagen said that he had two primary angels that worked with him. His guardian angel and his messenger angel. Now don't, don't stumble over this because Dad Hagen said this publicly so I can say it publicly, but don't get weird with this. The, the, the guardian angel, God told him his name which was Michaelini, and the messenger angel was Michaelini. Now, don't get weird and don't try to name your angels. And don't try to ask God what your angel's name is, because you're not authorized to do that. God told him, and he stood at the forefront of the prophet's ministry in the, in the world, not just in North America. And God saw fit to tell him those names. And, and many times in prayer, those Pasadena and others that have prayed with him, you'd hear him speaking in tongues and their name would come up. And then he'd say later, I was telling them what to do in the spirit. I was releasing them to do things in the spirit. So God told him, but that's a very rarity. So don't get stumbling over that. Okay. The point is, is that there was a guardian angel and there was a messenger. And there's many angels that worked with them, but those were the two primary ones. And she, she said that to me. And then she said, now, Dad Hagen said regarding the messenger angel, that the messenger angel would bring the messages that he would, the messages that he would speak. And so that those messages would land in the hearts of the people. The angel helped bring messages because come by the Holy Ghost, but angels can also influence you yes. according to the will of God. Yes. And then when you speak it with that divine anointing, that utterance, that anointing to speak, that utterance, then that angel would go with those words and cause them to land properly. Because words can be said, but not land properly. 
They need to land properly or they won't bear fruit the same way. And so he said that messenger angel wouldn't just bring messages at times, but would also go with the messages that God had given him or that that angel had brought and influenced him to speak and would go with those messages to cause them to land right. Are you with me? And then she said this, Pastor Craig, this is what comes up in my spirit for you. The utterances are not just pulpit utterances. They are utterances for your country. And the anointing will come upon you at times. And those utterances are for your country. It's utterances for your region. And so don't limit utterances for the pulpit only. They will also come in times of prayer and then your, your private time. She said, Paul said the, do the doors of utterance, which is what I read to you, would be opened unto me. Don't limit the door to sermon utterances. It's not only those. It's utterances that have to be said for things to work out in line with what God has for that country, that region, and the government. It's important, I'm speaking, I'm quoting her. It's important for the government. It's important. The messenger angel goes with your utterances. They go with the words that you speak so that they land right and have the right effect. So those words will have an impact in the hearers. And those words will come with divine help to those hearers. They are divine words and they need divine assistance to land within people. The reason God's giving you that and the grace and anointing on you to say certain things is because some things are going to have to be handled just so that the plan for the ministry can come to pass. If those things aren't addressed, she's talking about with the government, if those things aren't addressed, it will hinder the plan that's on your life and ministry. So it's not just a random reason that he's giving you these utterances. The reason is for the plan not to be hindered. And so I've been praying about that. And I said, now, Lord, why didn't you talk about other things that I need more clarity on? And the Lord dealt with me. He said, read it again, read it again, and read it. And then it started to dawn on me that none of, some of these other things out there are going to be hindered if we don't get a handle on certain things here in the home front. Because they, the government can hinder certain things that we're trying to do yes. overseas, as well as the Glory Center, yes. as well as things that we're doing in Toronto and in Nova Scotia and in, and in the Northern Territories and in other areas. They can try to hinder some things. So the Lord said, I, I know you need clarity on the other things, but it's very important that you understand that certain things must be said and there's an angel that's working with your words. Because of the, if it's not dealt with in the spirit, the government specifically will hinder the plan that is on this ministry. Now, now, those are general terms, and she hasn't given specifics, and God hasn't chosen to give specifics. But he's, he's obviously interrupting that weekend, knowing that I needed to hear that, knowing that it wasn't good enough to wait until the next time I saw her, knowing that she's not coming in October, and yet he needed me to hear that word of prophecy. And he needed me to know that there are certain things that must be spoken. They must be spoken under the anointing and they must be spoken not just from the pulpit, but also in my prayer time and even in my private time. And I'm not just to limit it to when I'm under the anointing to preach. That certain things will just bubble up and they'll just come out and be spoken 
by a divine utterance and by a divine anointing with a divine grace and it will help turn things in the government because and not just randomly because God just saw fit to do that but it makes sense because the ministry plan God's plan for this work has to go forth and certain things with the government will try to stop it so those things we're dealing with so that this ministry could go forth. it's not just in general it's not random it's very specific so that the plan for this ministry can go forth in the earth. And what, what she's basically, now remember, she said in Russia, the voice grows, the voice grows, and it will deal will, where there's been restriction. It will cause, it will change things. I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, but that's the gist of it. It'll change things. And she said, even in the government of Canada and in your region. Now, this is the second time. It shocked me when she said it then. I don't feel like, why would God use me? I don't know. And now it shocks me again when she says it now, but it's not just random like I think I'm big, sh big shot and I'm just going to talk about the government and we're just going to change the government. Like I'm, it's not about that. It's about this ministry has a plan. God has a plan for this ministry to do something and God knows in his foreknowledge the government's going to try to stop us in certain areas. I don't know where. And she didn't specify and God didn't specify, but they're going to try to hinder. If we don't deal with it in the spirit, they will hinder and the plan of the ministry will not come to pass. So God is authorizing me, the anointing me and giving me the voice to address those things, not just for Canada as a whole, although some blessings will come because the first word was more general that those things would change the government stuff and it would just bring general, uh, it will hold back restrictions in general. But now God's specifying it. It's not just about Canada, but it's about your ministry in Canada. And what Canada will try to hinder your ministry to do. Amen. Because they're wicked and ungodly men, for not all men have faith. Right. And we need to be delivered from them. Yes. And we need to know what to say. So that's why she said there, if you remember, I just said it, but she said that Paul said, pray the doors of utterance would be opened unto me. Yes. So what is she saying? What's the Spirit saying through her? Things need to be said in the Spirit toward the government. Yes. But your, listen, your prayers will allow the utterance that I need to speak forth for the government to come. So if you don't pray, utterance won't full flow to full measure. If utterance doesn't flow specifically for government issues, we will be hindered and the global plan for this ministry will be stunted. And it's specifically about your prayers. Because I'm praying. And utterance is coming because I'm praying. But it's not enough that I pray. Because if it was enough that Paul prayed, he wouldn't ask them to pray. So obviously Paul didn't have enough supply for his own ministry. Because God hasn't made us like that. We're not independent like that. We're not isolated from each other. We are needful of each other's anointings. So the great apostle Paul, the greatest one of the New Testament, said, I can't do this without your help. I need you to pray. If Paul is saying that, I am pleading with you to pray. Because if he couldn't do it, I certainly can't do it. Your prayers allow utterance to speak forth what needs to be said for other things. Yes, lots of categories. But one category that God is highlighting is government. Your prayers produce utterance for words to be spoken to the government. Without those words being spoken, without dealing with things in the spirit, boldly. The plan that God has for this ministry will be stunted. And that means millions of people won't be reached with the gospel. When I say stunted, 
I'm talking about souls hearing the gospel. Yeah. Do you understand? It's, it's, it's that they're trying, they will try. They're not right now, but they will try. There is going to be an attempt to silence us. I don't know where that's going to come from. I don't know how that's going to come, but there is a strategy from hell to silence us. God is warning before it shows up so that when it shows up, we have the words to say. We have already been dealing with it in the spirit and we can continue to deal the death blow in the spirit so that that government, as, as we respect them, but remember, pray for kings and all those in authorities, that we may live. We're not just praying for them for the sake of praying. We're praying with an end in sight. We're praying so that we, we pray for them so that the church goes forward. We're just praying for them to pray for them. We're praying for them so that laws are passed so that the church lives godly, peaceable, quiet, and holy lives. And this is good and acceptable to God. God says it's good that you pray for them to the end that you will be able to fulfill your plan because they can affect you from fulfilling your plan. So we have to pray. You have to pray for utterance. We have to pray for the government. We have to pray for boldness. I, you have to help me pray. I'm, I'm emphasizing that God has asked me to emphasize this to you tonight. I need you to help me pray. This is not just a little sermon for you to go, oh, that was nice. And then, and then just tuck it away in your notes and you don't think about it for 12 months. I need this to be, uh, to, I need this impressed upon your souls. I need this to burn like a fire in your spirits because for the Holy Ghost to say that in such a strong, dramatic, and unusual way this weekend, which was not a ministry weekend, for him to articulate that, have the people pray for doors of utterance. They must be spoken to the government. It may be that God leads me to call a politician. It may be that God puts me in front of a member of parliament. Or, but don't limit it to your mind and how you can figure that out. It may just be words spoken in the spirit. Words spoken. Prayer and preaching and private time. Spoken words. But under the anointing, when words are spoken, they don't fall to the ground and they will accomplish things. When Randy spoke words, that ninth justice in the U.S. Supreme Court, the next day she left. When he dealt with the demon spirit that was operating through her, the next day she quit. Nobody expected it. Nobody saw it coming. She just quit because that demon spirit lost its power over her. And she came back to her right mind and she decided angels influenced her. God didn't want her in that role. Yeah. Wow. Are, you, are you with me? Yes. Now, I just, I wasn't going to say this, but Chantel, I've already talked to you about it because she's our lawyer here. One of more than one lawyer in our church, but she's one that works with me. And uh, I've already asked her. Because God, not, not, not out of my flesh, but the Lord spoke to me. He said, I want you to get the names and pictures of every politician that is vocal against the gospel. And he was very particular. And there's one particular one down in Lakeshore, a woman. And she is the strongest at this point against the gospel. And I said to her, and I, she's working on getting me a list of these people. I'm not messing with you. And I'm not playing games with this. And I said, Lord, are you kidding me? Are you serious? This is like a hit list? This is a spiritual hit list. And he said, now you put those pictures up and you put those names up and you find out what they're doing and what they're saying. And now listen now, when I come upon you, so I can't just do this in my own. When I come upon you and that anointing comes on you and that utterance comes on you, you speak and I will remove them if I have to. They'll die if it comes down to that. 
or I will switch, turn, promote, whatever. But I'll get them out of that place because you say so. Now, why is he saying that to me? Not everybody can do that because he has to authorize a voice and it has to come from an office and it has to come from a high office. Not every pastor can do this. Dad Hagen taught us this. This stuff comes from the apostle and the prophet's office primarily. It does. It does. I'm not just making this up. You read Dad Hagen's book, he'll teach you. Not every person, not every intercessor can just take that on. You, and if you're looking for it, he'll never give it to you. Because that's the last thing I'm looking for. I, I don't want that responsibility at all, Errol. But he came to me through, not just to me, because I could, I could maybe miss it or misinterpret it, but he came to me in Russia through Pastor Nancy and said, I've authorized your voice to deal with things in your government. That was part A. Now he's given me a couple years to meditate on that, to accept that, and it started already to happen. But now he says to the same prophet, more specifically, you deal with, the, when that utterance comes, you deal with it. You deal with these government officials. Because they will not stop the plan. I won't let them stop the plan. But you have to, the people have to pray. And you have to be bold to speak. And not in your own flesh, but under the anointing. And that anointing can literally remove people overnight. They don't know who they're dealing with, Errol. They think we're just a, we're the, the church in the, New, in the New Testament scared them. The church today bores them. They think we're a bunch of willy-dillies, a bunch of nuts. All they see aggression from the church is we're going to meet anyway, whether you find us or not. And that's fine, but that's not what I'm talking about. They see in the natural eye, churches doing natural things that are in, in passive disagreement to their laws. And, that, and that's their limit of understanding of who the church is. They're rebels. They're ignorant. They want to pick a fight. They're nuts. What they don't understand, Deanne, is that it's not about that stuff. It's about in the realm of the spirit, we occupy a place that they don't occupy. We have rights in the realm of the spirit that they don't have. And when people anointed by, truly anointed, I don't just mean weirdos out there in their own ministries that are calling themselves prophet and that are having intercessory prayer. I'm not talking about that nonsense. I'm talking about legitimate people that are submitted, that are not novices in the ministry, that God has spoken and confirmed through higher offices even than them. And when God truly anoints somebody and it's pure from God's throne and he says, speak, and that person speaks, I don't care who's in government, it will change. They are not all powerful and they are not almighty. And we think that they're so big and it's so huge and what little, what could we do? How could our prayers really, that's the devil trying to get you not to pray because he wants you to think you're ineffective that you don't have any power. Oh, but if your, if your prayers can bring utterance and if then somebody anointed, including you, can under that anointing with that office in utterance speak, things can turn. Things can change. Are you listening to me? Things can turn and change. That same Herod took the glory and the angel of the Lord smote him. So don't tell me there's no judgment in the New Testament. That's false doctrine. Judgment in the Old Testament was far more severe and numerous. But in the New Testament, there is godly judgment, even in a dispensation of mercy. Because it didn't say a demon. It said the angel of the Lord stood by that king and smote him. And nine months later, he died with a very grievous sickness in his genitals. Not to be vulgar, but that's where it was. His genitals swelled up and exploded. 
and he died. Talk about a gross, disgusting, awful way to go, painful way to go. But God smote him. There is judgment in the New Testament. But did you notice it took an office and it took prayer? It took an office and it took prayer. It didn't just happen with Peter. It took prayer. When the people prayed and when Peter spoke and they, they dealt with that government official, that ungodly, wicked man, they dealt with him in the spirit. God himself judged him. And there was freedom. There was the, the word became free to go out without hindrance, without restraint. The word had free course, not Peter. The word had free course and the word was glorified. We put, God put that in Acts 12 for us today. He didn't put that for a little bedtime story. That is written for us today. If we will pray and if God anoints and authorizes a man to speak because of utterance that has come because of prayer, government officials have no standing in the realm of the spirit. And things can turn, Jenny. But this is going to take a consecration and a dedication, not a bunch of carnal bucket Christians that are offended with this and offended with that and can't show up and can't tithe and this nonsense and that. God doesn't deliver churches like that. Churches like that go down. Churches like that let their leader James get decapitated. But churches that pray, things can change. So I'm telling you, there's some stuff coming. I don't know when. I hope it's a long way, Sandra, into the future so we can just play patty cake, patty cake, baker's man. Bake me a pay cake as fast as you can. I like patty cake. I don't want this heavy stuff. I want nice and just everybody's sweet and we're just all having a pizza party every day. That's what we all want. I don't know how far this out is into the future, but I'm telling you, it's coming. I've learned something with God. He warns ahead of time. When God speaks like this about the government, it's usually not the very next day it's going to happen because God gives time for people to acclimate, for people to crucify their flesh, for people to start to pray. He gives time for the preacher to preach it. He gives time for it to land in the hearts. <laughs> and he's giving us time because something is coming. And I'm warning you, I, don't, I hope it doesn't happen this way, but I'm warning you, I'm just letting you know. Brother Wayne Rutledge, our accountant, who's been doing this for 40 years, 40 plus years, he is convinced that this will happen. And I, I've argued with him because I don't want to believe it. He may be right, he may be wrong, time will tell. Sure. But he believes, and I know a lot of other pastors believe the same thing as him. I'm just a bit of an optimist, I don't want to believe that. I, not that he's a pessimist, he's just a realist. Yeah. But he believes the day is coming where the government is going to give an ultimatum to the church. Where if you give, you will not get a tax receipt because they're going to make us sign homosexuality and gender clauses in order to exist. That we believe that it's okay for girls to become boys and boys to become girls and that there's 52 genders and that homosexual is normal and, and fine in the sight of God. The day, it, it's, it, it's, it's looking like they're maneuvering legally so that if, they, if we don't sign paperwork to agree that homosexuality is pleasing unto God, that they will take people's tax receipts away. And pastor talked with me about this a year ago, not prophetically, but just talking. And she said, Pastor Craig, the day may come. She said, California is very liberal. Canada's worse, but California is one step behind. And she said, we have to prepare ourselves and we have to prepare our people that the vision of God goes forth despite tax receipts, that tithing is a holy covenant despite tax receipts, and that the only generation in history of the New Testament that has enjoyed tax receipts are people in the last 50, 75 years. But for hundreds of years before then, they gave and they gave sacrificially and nothing came back to them from the government. 
But we have been so lulled into now thinking that we give in order to get, we give in order to get. Now, God will bless you, but we don't give so that we can give you that little thing that you put with your taxes. If you can, do it and be blessed. It's a blessing to us. We don't pay property taxes. We, well, we do, but we don't pay all of them because we're a charity. They'll take that away eventually if this goes the way Wayne thinks it's going to go. But, I, but I, I've been saying to Pastor Nancy and I've been saying to the Lord, Lord, if we'll teach the people right, if we'll teach the people right, there should be absolutely no lag, no shortfall, no dip, no falling off the edge because the people, we've got to understand we're the church. It, we supersede government regulations. We're a living organism that is thriving. We don't obey God because they tell us we can. We obey God even to the point of death. We don't obey God because they like it. We obey God to the point of prison if we have to. We obey God when people don't like it, when they throw stones at us, when they persecute us, when they don't give us a tax receipt, or they do give us a tax receipt. It shouldn't matter if God's word says it. We've made decisions that we will obey it. This is the church of the New Testament. This is a church that's going to usher back Jesus. Not these Willy Wonka churches out there with no spines. They won't offend anybody. Listen, if you're going to stand for truth, you're going to offend people. I don't want to offend people, but Jesus said, I am the stumbling rock of offense. So if Jesus is saying, I cause people to stumble, and you are not higher than your master, you will cause people to stumble. For if the world loves you, the love of the Father is not in you. So just think about that, all of you, with all your secular friends. If they love you too much, you better watch, your lo- you better watch where you are with God. Because the Bible says if they love you, something's wrong. Well, how come the sinners love Jesus? When you're preaching to them, their hearts can turn to repentance and love you. But for hardened sinners to look at you and love you because of your standard that equates to their standard, something is drastically wrong. But today, there's so much talk about just whatever, do whatever you have to do to have friends. Do whatever you have to do to fit in. I'm sorry, but it's, just, it's not where we're going. Have as many friends as you can. Get as many people as say. Try to get everybody like you if you can. But I'm telling you, when you have to stand for righteousness and you say this is right versus wrong. Righteousness is right versus wrong. And sinners don't like to be told what's wrong. One lady a little while ago that I was witnessing to, she was talking to me and she seemed hungry for God. And I said, the Bible says that you're a sinner. But you can change that. You are a sinner, but Jesus has paid the price. If you just say yes, you no longer have to be. How dare you call me a sinner? Who do you think you are to call me a sinner? All you people, you think about, no, I don't think I'm better than you because I was a sinner like you and the blood washed me like it can wash you. But I will not tell you that you're okay before God the way you stand today because if you meet him today, he will reject you. You must have the blood. And they got offended with me and walked away. See, because nobody wants to be told that they're wrong and nobody wants the right and wrong standard. Everything is whatever's good for you. You have your truth and I have my... No, there isn't your truth and my truth. There is the truth. And I stand on the truth of the word of God. And they have to yield or they have to fight. They have to yield or they have to fight. So I'm warning you. Stuff's coming. I don't think it's coming right this second because God warns with time in mind. But Reverend Greg, stuff's coming. 
There's stuff that they're going to try to hinder this ministry. I'm telling you, Pastor Nancy prophesied it. But the good news is we don't have to be caught unawares. We don't have to be blindsided and go, oh my goodness, he's told us in advance, Jenny, so that we can pray for utterance. So that utterance can be spoken boldly under the anointing of God from an office to change those situations and to turn those government problems so that they cannot hinder this ministry. But they will try. And I need your prayers. I need your prayers. I need your prayers. Are you listening to me? I need you to pray in the Holy Ghost. If you don't know what to pray, pray in tongues. Lord, I'm praying in tongues that he'll have utterance. Lord, I pray in tongues he'll have boldness with those utterances and just start praying in tongues. When I got to Liberia and I got to that hotel room for the first time, there was such, I've never felt demonic power in my life. I've been all over the world. I've never felt demonic power like that ever. I mean, I, I couldn't break through. I couldn't. I tried. I, I couldn't. It was so thick. It was like row upon row upon row upon row of demon power. And I couldn't. I called Lorraine with all the time difference. I said, Lorraine, I need you to call the prayer team. I need you to pray now. I said, I can't break through this. And I have to preach. And it was heavy, like heavy. And, I, and the Lord said, go to sleep. You say, why didn't he say pray? I don't know. He said, go to sleep. I got, went down. I went to sleep. And I woke up. And the prayer team was here praying and, and seeking God. All the way on the other side of the ocean. And when I woke up, that wall had dissipated. And then months later, the Lord said, you want me to talk to you about that? I said, yes, sir, please tell me why. He said, you want to know why you couldn't handle it by yourself? I said, I want, maybe because I'm carnal, obviously. He said, well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but he said, that's not the real reason. He said, the real reason is because you weren't in the apostle's office. He said, your office as a pastor did not hold the weaponry to deal with that force. But now that you've stepped into that other office, it has weapons that you know not of yet. And and he said, and I'll tell you something else. He said, you want to know why it happened? I said, yes. He said, because those spirits know you're coming. They see the flag planted in the realm of the spirit. They see what's coming in that nation. And that is why they unleashed. There was an unleashing against you to try to drive you out of that country and or try to kill you. Because they know they have a measure of foreknowledge. They don't know everything, but they know some things. That's why with every open door, there's many adversaries because they have enough smarts to know there's an open door. And so they, they, they unleash themselves against me and Pastor Matthew on that trip because they know what's coming. I couldn't handle it because I wasn't in the office needed for that ministry. I was in the transition. That was 19. But in 2020, that changed. And now we're going back in early 2022 and it's going to turn. The reason I'm saying this to you is because while I have stepped up and I can handle certain things, that does not mean for a second that the prayers of the saints are, are not needed. What I'm trying to tell you is that when we're going there spiritually, there are demons, there are powers, there are, there are fallen angels, there are powers at work to stop the gospel. And we are going into these nations with flags in our hands, holy flags of God, and we're planting them and we're saying, God has authored a work in this nation and I plant the flag of promise of life. We occupy a place in the spirit and the candle has been set. And then we start pushing him back. But I can't do it alone. He said, you're not going to experience what you experienced before again. Because the office is going to be able to handle more than you could have handled back then. He said, but the prayers of the saints are critical. For utterance, for boldness. Not just for our government, but for their governments. For attacks, for strategies, for assassination attempts, for all these different things. Prayers for deliverance. Prayers for utterance. Prayers 
against those that are wicked and unreasonable that they would be stopped are very important for this ministry. Because unlike most churches that are just a little pastor and they just do their little outreach to their community and that's all they do for 50 years, this ministry is not called to only do that, although it is called to do that. It's called to reach out to other nations. This is an apostolic church. God said it through Randy before I said it. I wasn't going to say it till he said it. And he spoke through that man. And this is an apostolic church. And I had a prayer meeting with Pastor Noel this last trip. And we started getting in the spirit about the Philippines. I can't say certain things. Miracle, if I were you, I would pray and fast, girl, because you have no idea what's coming. And I don't mean that in a scary way. I mean that in like you have no idea the honor that God has put upon you and your husband. Because he's already speaking. He's spoken to me about a Bible school that we're starting there. He's spoken to me about other churches and uh, in different parts of that nation that we're going to plant. He's talked to me about the Dr. Lester Summerall anointing. Angels have already been dispatched. I'm telling you, there, there's a whole heap that's happening. And that is why your prayer, just because I don't share everything, because I can't share everything at certain times, it's, it's premature. But just because I'm not talking about it doesn't mean things aren't happening. So the more you pray, 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 pray for our glory center. Pray for our current congregation. Pray for the new ones called to be here. Pray for the finances to remain strong and to increase. Pray for our staff. Pray for utterance. Pray for boldness. Pray to be delivered from wicked and unreasonable. Pray for that anointing to speak forth as I ought to speak at the right time about government. Pray for the works. And all those things I just said for each of those works, because they apply. We're, we're, we're on the cusp of something tremendous, Reverend Greg. I know I've gone long tonight, but, but I'm telling you, I felt that anointing come on me. And I don't always experience this. There was a season I experienced it every service. And then it kind of waned a little bit. Not that it's not real, but just I grow, you grow up. God doesn't have to treat you like a baby once you've grown up a bit. But there was a time at every service, the angel would stand at my right hand, every single service. Every single service, he came and stood at my right hand. And then it was every other service, and then it was every third service, and then it was every fifth service. And now it's maybe every 12th or 15th service, he'll stand at my, but that doesn't mean he's not there, it just means God doesn't let me know that he's there. Do you understand? He's always there. But now that I know he's there, I, I just dispatch him more. I don't always have to know it. I know it, I, I don't always have to be aware of it in that physical realm. I know it by faith. But today he was standing there and I, and the Lord said, that is the messenger angel that Pastor Nancy prophesied. He is standing with you in this service to cause your words to land right in the hearts of the people and to the heart and land right in the hearts of those at home. That mess, that angel is, listen, I'm not making this stuff up. This is what God said. That angel works with my words. It, those words are divine, but they need divine assistance to land right. So that you won't just go, oh, that's nice, but you'll go home and it will weigh upon your heart. In a good way, not in a bad way. You'll dream about it. You will think about it. You'll wake up tomorrow and there'll be a stirring to pray for utterance, to pray for deliverance, to pray for Africa and the Philippines and all the other nations, to pray. And don't pray for it all in one day because you may not, you'll get tired. Just pray for whatever the Spirit prompts you to pray for that day. The next day, He may prompt you to pray for something else. He might say, pray for Dominica this day. And He might say, pray for the finances the next day. And then He might say, pray for utterances. And then another three days later, He may say, pray for now for boldness, specifically boldness, boldness, boldness. Then He might say, now pray for specific government. Then He might say, now pray for miracles on the mission field. Then He might say, now pray for the popes. Then He might say, now pray for this. Now, Every day he might have a different assignment, but it's all to do with what we're talking about here. And he needs your prayers. I need your prayers. That's what I had a good sermon plan, but he said, talk to them about the fact that I need them to pray. I don't have a title for it because I couldn't come up with a title. 
It's too general, but I just need you to pray. Maybe we call it doors of utterance or something like that. I need you to pray. Praise God. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, government of Canada, I say unto you in the name of Jesus that you will uphold the standard of righteousness, that those that withstand and buck the standard of righteousness, that they will, be, that they will repent or be removed. I declare for our, for our upcoming election in Jesus' name that the will of the Lord be done. Let those with a platform of righteousness be elected. Angels go forth and cause the right one to be elected in Jesus' name. Lord, I know it's hindering. It it's, can be hindered with, if the saints don't pray. I don't know if Canada's praying. I know in America they didn't pray. Randy said they didn't pray, and that's why that election went the way it did. Lord, I don't know if the saints are praying for this election. I don't know if Canada is calling out to you. But I want you to know that this church, Father, that we ask you in Jesus' name, Lord, we release our faith and we release the angels that the right godly men that as a platform of righteousness would be elected into office and our laws would bring freedom to the gospel. I don't, I'm not concerned about freedom for owls and freedom for this and freedom for trees. I'm concerned for freedom for the church. Lord, I'm looking looking for freedom for the church, for it is the church that matters. It is the plan for the church and revival. It's the only thing that occupies our mind. It's the only thing that's on the forefront of our thoughts. So we thank you, Father. We declare in Jesus' name, Canada, righteousness will exalt our nation. Righteousness will exalt our nation in Jesus' name. We will not be ashamed. Oh, And those that withstand the plan and the will of God, Father, because of our faith and because of your anointing and because of our words and because of your angels, changes will happen even in the political arena. We are not afraid. We are not helpless. We are not hopeless. We have rights in the realm of the Spirit and we can change things. We can change things. So I thank you, Father, for speaking through your prophet, Pastor Nancy. I thank you for instructing us as a church to pray that doors of utterance may be opened unto me as the pastor. I thank you, Lord, for instructing us to pray for deliverance from wicked and unreasonable men, to pray for bold utterance, that I would speak forth as I ought to speak, not just to the government, but in the pulpit, in sermons, regarding the vision, regarding the international works, regarding the glory center, regarding revival in this city that I would speak forth the oracles of God, but Lord, if prayer is made, more utterance will flow. If they don't pray, less utterance. If they don't pray, less utterance. But if they pray, more utterance. Oh, we want that utterance. We need that utterance. The plan of God calls for that utterance and for boldness in it. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. We turned something in the spirit tonight, Jenny. I know these words landed right. That angel was there to help it land right. I know it didn't just go in one ear and out the other. I know it landed right in people at home and in people here. And don't wait for the good old day, Monday. We'll start Monday. Don't pray tonight. Pray on your way home. Pray before you go to bed. Pray tomorrow morning. Don't wait. The longer you wait, the devil will talk you out of it. Flesh will talk you out of it. Discouragement will talk you out of it. Distraction will talk you out of it. Pray, start praying tonight for utterance and for boldness in Jesus' name. Oh, I give you glory, Father. I give you praise. I give you adoration. I give you glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, it will surely come to pass. 
And Father, the plan for this ministry, locally, domestically, and internationally, not one jot or tittle will be missed. Not one, not one instruction from heaven will be aborted or hindered or delayed by government officials. We will go forth in freedom and we will accomplish the plan. In Jesus' name, it will come to pass. It will come to pass. I have a church behind me and they are warriors. I have warriors behind me. I don't go into battle we're all alone. I have warriors that surround me. David had warriors around him. He had highly trained warriors. Father, I thank you I've got warriors with me. Warriors walk with me into battle. I don't go alone, I go with warriors. Warriors in the realm of the spirit, warriors on their knees, warriors who know how to pray and call and decree and watch. Oh, I give you glory. I thank you for the warriors, Father, around me. I take my eyes off, off the betraying ones. I take my eyes off the weak ones that turn, the turncoats. I take my eyes off them and I place my eyes upon the warriors that surround me. And I thank you for the warriors that are worthy of this calling and worthy of this mantle and worthy of this anointing and worthy of this office. And we'll do it together. We'll do it together. Put your hands up, please. If you're one of them, if you want to be one of them, even if you say, I don't know if I'm a warrior, but your heart says, I want to be. If you're at home, put your hands up. If you're here as an act of faith, a point of contact, put your hands up. Father, in Jesus' name, see the ones with the hands up and let your presence come down on them and seal by that holy seal of God these words. Let it go into their hearts and let it seal in them like cement, Father. Let it set inside them like cement. Let them stand and fight on their knees with me. Let them go into battle with me. Let us do this together and we will win in Jesus' name. We will win in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we will win. Oh, I give you praise and I give you glory. I give you praise and I give you glory. I give you praise and I give you glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That anointing is there. I could just go into a prayer meeting tonight. And may, maybe in the future I'll get bold enough to do that. But I, I, I want to respect your time. I've already gone too late as it is at least by the clock standard, not by God's standard, but by the clock standard. So I'm going to let you go. But I want to thank you for praying. And I want to thank you for standing with the vision. God needs you. And he needs me. And this vision is important. I'm not important, but the vision is important. There are souls hanging on the balance of this vision. Hallelujah. I wish I could share some of the things. It'll come out in time. I'm telling you, some of the stuff God's been talking to me, mainly about the Philippines, it cur it's curled my toenails. I'm serious. I don't even know how to express it to you. It's like I'm vibrating. It's like I'm vibrating with power. God's going to do, there's going to be a revival in that country. There's going to be a revival in that country. I'm telling you, there's something, there's something so mammoth that's coming. Pastor Noel weeps when he prays. Because he sees measures and snippets and I see in the spirit snippets of what's coming in that nation. I'm not saying the other nations are less or anything like that. I'm just saying God's been highlighting that nation to me of late. There is such a revival coming in that nation. 
I'm telling you, there's such a revival coming in that nation. We need to pray. We need to pray. The time is short. The work is great and the time is short. We need to pray. So please, would you pray? Get, get on your knees on a regular basis and pray out the vision. And pray in tongues. If you don't know what to say, just pray in tongues. God will use your tongues and, a, and, and assign it where it needs to go. Hallelujah. Thank you, Master. I give you praise. Lord, I did my best tonight. I hope I didn't let you down. I did what I felt in my heart to do. It always feels like I could have done a better job, but I thank you for the anointing that makes up the difference. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah.